We've been planning this talk for uh, quite a while, long before the series, uh, you know, got announced to you guys. And I knew that it wasn't my, my talk to give. I knew that uh, what we needed was somebody who would be willing to be vulnerable and also be willing to be practical in how she faces uh, the shame around and inside her story and somebody who would be willing to be courageous. And so uh, I asked uh, our worship pastor, Chandra, if she would share with us. And, and she basically said no when I asked her at first. She, she, she said, why would you do that to me? And I said, listen, I, I want something tangible for our, our people, men and women, uh, people who are mothers or, or people who, who've never been a mom, for uh, dads, for, for single people. I just, I need something tangible that people can touch and hold on to, and I would love for you to pray about doing it. And after a while uh, of you know, the Holy Spirit and her wrestling, she came back and said, yeah, I, I think I'm supposed to share that. So uh, Pastor Chandra is going to come up here in just a second. Before she does, let me give you our uh, definition of shame that every week we've been launching off of. This is the Brene Brown quote. It says, shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love, belonging, and connection. And I, I know that there is a lot of folks in here wrestling with this very thing in their life, in all areas of their life. And I also believe that today is going to be really powerful, that it's going to be very freedom bringing and perhaps even healing. And so uh, I am so very thankful to welcome to the stage our worship pastor, Chandra Geisen. Would you please give her a warm hand? Right. Oh, good. I'm on. Okay, guys, I need a drink of water because my caffeine is still not kicking in for me here. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I am so excited to be here. Honestly, Like Danny said, yes, I fought. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I don't know why you're asking me to do that. I just sing. I'm really comfortable with the, the songs and the music stands and all this stuff is new for me. So thank you guys for being here. Again, we want to say happy Mother's Day to all of the women here, all of the mothers here. Um, on behalf of Kesset, our whole staff and leadership team here, we know that this day can be um, kind of a mix of a bag of emotions when it comes to anywhere from joy all the way to pain. So we are here for you. We want to hold the space with you as best that we can, but we want to honor you as well today. So I'm going to pray really quick before we get started. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this day, this beautiful day. God, thank you for the mothers here spiritual mothers, earthly mothers. Father, we are here for you and you alone. God, I pray that everybody here today would walk away knowing you deeper. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would come speak through me today, God. Let it be your words that are spoken. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. As Danny said, um, I'm going to be sharing with you guys all today a little bit about my testimony, um, but more specifically, a lot more about my shame story <clears throat> um, and how I realized where a lot of that actually came from later on in life. I am also going to be sharing with you some of the ways that I found a lot of freedom uh, by breaking out of those cycles and getting out of the unhealthy thought patterns that I had around myself for many years. My prayer, honestly, uh, by me sharing some of them, is it, it can be helpful for you as well. <clears throat> and my biggest hope is that you would hold this time and space with me and not for me, but to be with me in it. I want to offer a message of hope <clears throat> and healing 
and honestly just freedom in this season that we are all walking through when it comes to our cycles of shame that we are trying to break out of. There is a quote from Bill Johnson that I found um, as I was studying for this that I love, and it says, God speaks to us through testimonies. Every testimony brings something of heaven into the atmosphere. It gives us a divine moment when things shift and are transformed because the record of God's activity is revealed. As we hear what God has done for others, it releases faith that he can do the same for us. And there's something so powerful when we want to be vulnerable enough to share our stories because the only thing the enemy wants to do with us is to keep it hidden and to keep it secret. And so this uh, quote, when I was studying for it, brought me to Ephesians chapter 5, 11 through um, verse 14. And it says, Take no part in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed to the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, so that Christ will shine on you. And so both of those things together are quite powerful in my story. Um, I want to encourage you guys that when you share your testimonies, and I think for most of you, if you've ever heard somebody's story of healing or miracles or hope or freedom, it does something in our spirits that, that stirs up faith that we can have the same thing. And so I want to encourage you guys that as I share that today, um, again, my prayer is that you guys can find that as well. So before I go back and talk about all the darkness and shame I was once living in, um, I just want to talk a little bit about who I am today, standing in front of all of you guys under these very obnoxiously bright lights, because they are very blinding and I can kind of see shadows of faces. Um, but honestly, uh, the biggest thing that I want to talk about is some just obvious things that you see about me, because we're going to just get them off the table so they're not a distraction. We're going to talk about it a little bit. Um, the first thing is that, yes, I have dreadlocks. <laughs> they, are, they are mine. They are red. They are different. I understand <clears throat> the biggest things that I get when it comes to questions about dreadlocks is, do you wash your hair? Yes, I wash my hair. Everyone, feel, feel better. You can come and hug me. Nothing's going to like jump out. It's not going to smell, I promise. <laughs> um, the other thing is I do not burn them. I don't put wax in them to make them happen. It's actually this really cool new technique uh, that they use a little crochet hook with. So if y'all are interested in how to get some locks or dreadlocks, come and find me. I'll tell you about it. And you can comb them out, too. That's the other thing, is I don't have to shave my head when I don't want them anymore. So don't worry. One day you won't be seeing me walking around with my head shaved. Uh, the other thing is that, again, of course, I have, obviously, tattoos and piercings. And I was telling the Thursday night crew, I said, you know, you do live in the Northwest, so they shouldn't be too shocking. And if you don't have a tattoo yet, maybe you should get one. I just want to encourage you. <laughs> You'd fit in even more here in the Northwest. I have a couple artists in my family, so if you have any kind of drawing or any tattoo idea that you'd love, come and find me. I will find you a tattoo artist, okay? The other thing that we are obviously going to talk about is because it is the one question I get the most here at Kesset is, why are you barefoot? And where are your shoes? They are in my office. They are here. I did not come here barefoot. Um, but honestly, I know that for some of you it's a little bit strange, uh, but really, about five or six years ago, I started leading worship um, at the church I was at. And I really, again, testimony stories. I saw a different worship leader that was leading barefoot. And I'm like, what is that girl doing? She's crazy. And I was like, I like it. I'm going to try it. 
And honestly, um, ever since then, it's been really hard to go back. And so even speaking and talking to you guys in front of you today, um, there's something about for me being barefoot where I feel a lot more vulnerable. I feel a lot more like I'm at home. Um, I feel a lot more comfortable. I'm very grounded when I'm barefoot. Um, and honestly, what's very meaningful to me is that I feel a lot more connected to the room and the people and the spaces that I'm in. And so I don't want to feel like at any moment I could just leave. And there's something, there's something special about it. So here I am, barefoot, tattoos, dreadlocks, all the things. <laughs> so <clears throat> um, now that you guys know a little bit more about the awkward outside appearance that I represent for you. Um, I would love to talk about a couple of titles and roles that also make up a little bit about who I am. Um, first of all, of course, here at Kesed, being a pastor, I am the worship arts pastor, and so I get to oversee all of the musicians and some of the tech team here. I've been doing that for about 14 months, and it is amazing. And there's some of you here today, I love you all. Um, but honestly, it is an honor for me to be able to do that because, again, um, being a female pastor in the Northwest especially is not normal. And if you have any questions about that, honestly, there we did a whole series, actually more than a year and a half ago, I think two years ago, um, on where the girls are at. And so I really, really would highly encourage you to go back and listen to that because that is a place where it explains everything um, as to why we have women pastors here on staff at Kesson. So. The next title or role that uh, you may know about me is that I am a mother, myself. Um, I have a cute picture of them. Here they are. So cute. My little sassy one here. She is seven, Kavena. Um, I have five kids, and my oldest is 20, down to seven, and they are honestly the joy of my life. Two girls, three boys. My husband's, my husband's Hawaiian. His name's Kavika, and so all of my kids... I'm going to give you one chance. I literally do this with people, and not one person yet has been able to come back, tell me my kids' names after the first time you've heard them, and get a free coffee card, because I will legit buy you a coffee card, if you can memorize them all for the first time. So my oldest name, my oldest daughter's name is Kayana, Makani, Makoa, Makave, and Kavena. So here they are. I love them. <laughs> uh, yes, and then the other one, of course, that's hidden back there in the beanie, um, another role or a title you could call it here on earth is that I am a wife um, to my amazing, amazing husband, Kavika. We have been married for 20 years, um, going on 21 together, um, but he is the joy and the love of my life and there is no other man that I know that is more like Jesus than him. And it takes a lot of grace and a lot of patience to be married to me. So if you see him, he'll be here at 11 o'clock, I think. Just give him a big hug and just be like, you know, we love you and we support you and we're praying for you, okay? That'd be awesome. He would, he would, he would love that. I'm not kidding. Oh, man. So uh, now that I've talked about some of the seeable and unseeable things about me, um, I'd like to share with you guys something a little bit harder to see, which is my story regarding shame. And so I want to start off by just talking about last week's message a little bit. And honestly, just like Danny did, I want to recap um, a little on this series because this shame series has been really difficult for a lot of us. It's been really beautiful, um, but also very difficult because we know that, that the enemy is trying to get after us and take us out because of the fact that we're bringing stuff out to the light and we're talking about it because we want hope, we want healing, we want freedom from it. And so I want to just encourage you guys, honestly, um, for coming along with us, for saying yes, for sticking with us. We have one more week. Next week, we're going to close this series out. 
Um, but honestly, it's been really beautiful to see kind of the things that are being cracked open so that it allows space for God to come in and heal. <clears throat> but what's been difficult also is that the enemy is trying to get in and keep us there in just a million pieces because he is, he is definitely on the move and he is trying to take us out. So I want to encourage you by saying, good job. Um, we are in this together for sure. <laughs> so last week, <clears throat> Danny ended his two-part message where he taught about the prophet Elijah and so he also shared some of his shame stories along with some other really helpful practical tools that we um, are all walking through together. But there are 11 tools, you guys. And if you have not been here, that's way too many tools for me to go over for you today because I am not going to give up that much time when it comes to my time talking. <laughs> um, but they're amazing. I want to encourage you also to go back online. They're on YouTube. Um, all of the messages, all of his sermons, everything are online for you guys to go back and highlight and take those tools because they are super helpful and very practical um, when it comes to breaking out of these shame cycles. So from the beginning, I'm going to sit down because this is kind of a story. Um, I'm going to start from the beginning, so bear with me. There's a lot to cover, but I want to uh, stay on track when it comes to just my testimony and what God has done. I grew up in an evangelical church here locally in Vancouver from the age of four, where I began singing on the stage at church for all sorts of things. I remember loving what I did and feeling confident in what I was doing to a degree. I was also very shy and even then was met with a ton of fear about what people thought of me. I would overanalyze every note I hit or move I made, and basically I was just battling with a lot of perfectionism. In fact, one of the biggest things I remember during that time was my mom telling me that people would come up to me and be really encouraging and say, hey, you have such a beautiful voice, but you look really mad. And you're not moving, and your mouth isn't moving, so I don't understand why there's like this voice coming out of you. And um, at that, I was so young, honestly, I really, I didn't, understand that they were really trying to be kind and compliment me about a gift that I had. Um, I just really focused on what, the negative thing and the things that I wasn't doing. Um, let's see. And, this, and during this time, this is honestly when I think um, that the enemy was planting these seeds of shame in my heart because I thought what I did was never good enough, which therefore made me think that I, that I was not good enough. Now, I continued to sing in church throughout my childhood and was always very involved in all of the church community stuff. I did the family camps, the youth camps, you name it, my family did it. In this season of my life, I really tried to take on my own faith, or my faith is my own, and really figure out what I believed about this whole faith thing. So I did what any good Christian kid would do is I got baptized at youth camp in a river. Anybody else? And he went, yes, a couple of you. <laughs> um, and it was here locally, actually. It was beautiful. Um, but honestly, it was hard because during that time, that's what I felt like I was supposed to do, right? I'm not really sure at that time that I really understood the, the weight and the power of what I was doing. And I do believe that God was still with me in that because even through that childhood season of mine, um, I really just rebelled against the fact that I knew, I knew it was right and I knew what Scripture said, but... There's something in me still in my soul, um, I think that was still broken, and the enemy had a hold of who I thought that I was. So I look back, and the best ex explanation that I have about my relationship with God, honestly, during that time was that I felt like he was this ruler, this judge sitting up in heaven, uh, looking down at every move I made, and he, it would either be like a pass or a fail. And so there was, never, there was never anything in between, because I didn't see him as this father that I had a relationship with. I saw him as this judge. Um, that was harsh and not kind. 
And what it really came down to was the fact that I did not know what grace actually meant. And so the queen herself, Brene Brown, we have quoted her a lot during this series, has a quote that we found, and it says, Grace means that all of your mistakes now serve a purpose instead of serving shame. And so for me, yeah, it's so good. It's real good. <laughs> I read that actually just last week, and it, it stopped me in my tracks because it was something that no, nobody talks about it really as much. Um, I think that it's, way, it's a really powerful tool that we need to use a lot more when it comes to each other and ourselves. So fast forward to my junior and senior year of high school. Um, I met my husband, Kavika, and I was 17. And we began dating, and very quickly after that, started talking about marriage. I was ready to marry him. I had a ring on my finger before I graduated. Guys, it was, it was the real deal. Um, so a very long story short, we, I graduated in June, and we found out we were pregnant in July. And then fast forward to getting married at the courthouse in August. So within three months, I got married, got pregnant, and it was a whole new chapter in my life. I have a cute picture of our actual wedding day, y'all. This is us. I don't have eyebrows. Do any of you remember when that was a thing? That was, yeah, it was rough. So we're, we're going to talk about that and call it out too. Um, and I'm in all black again. I noticed that and I was like, guys, I promise I'm doing a lot better. I'm, I know I'm in all black again today. Um, but honestly, he, look at him. He's so cute. Putting, I don't understand the suspender thing around my neck yet, but we're, we're rolling with it. And they were only prints. We didn't have any digital prints, of course, back then. So anyway, this was out in the front yard of my parents' house. I was maybe a month pregnant or so. Um, and it was really beautiful, but it was also very, very difficult. This, uh, my friends, is where something in, deep in my soul, or you could say that the soil that had held those seeds of shame back from my childhood began to break through the surface. But what emerged was not things of beauty, like fruit or flowers. They were definitely alive, but I like to call them much more like poisonous, pokey weeds at the time. You see, that church, that very church that I grew up in, where my whole family went and served, and where my husband even became, came to know the Lord at, uh, they shut our entire family out. We were shamed, accused, and judged. We were basically kicked out. That was when it all became a lot too, way too much for me, and I felt very alone, isolated, and rejected. Now, I know that there were obvious, beautiful things in my life, like the marriage to an amazing man and the fact that I was carrying a life inside of me and I was about to become a mom. But the next long chapter of my story was overshadowed by the pain, guilt, and shame that I felt about myself. I became extremely depressed. I lost all of my friends and my whole church community and everyone that was around me, other than my parents, who took my husband and I on, um, left and I became a mom and a wife at 18, and it was a lot. So eventually, we left that church, and um, my family and I found a new one actually here locally that we would call home for about 15 years. It was there that we got ourselves plugged into a life group. I continued to lead worship, and our family began a new chapter. Even then, we had no idea how hard it was going to be. We knew that we were not alone in it. Somehow I knew that God was still there and that he still loved me and he had a plan for my life. It was just way too hard to see in the midst of all the lies that I believed about myself. I really thought that I had disappointed or failed God and people. 
I didn't realize all of this until later in life, but somewhere deep in my subconscious, I thought that I was not worthy of love, acceptance, or freedom from the shame and isolation that those lies kept me in. And so the cycle continued, of course, as it does. After that season, we felt called away from that church where we were led to another one. I was brought on staff there as a worship leader and did that for about four years. And honestly, it was during that time that I really fell in love with Jesus and I began to learn a lot more about who the Holy Spirit was in my life. There was also a beautiful community of spiritual mothers that came alongside of me. They cared for me and they taught me a lot about who I was in Christ. They would pray and speak life over me and they created a safe space for me to come out from those dark places that I was living in. They began to help me uproot and pull all the weeds out. And I slowly began to believe that I was loved by a perfect father that offered grace, mercy, and love for me. And it was all he wanted was an intimate relationship with me. And so as I think about this um, part in my message, you guys, there, there is such an important role and a call that I want to um, ask the women here at this church in this community to step into because my mom is here. She is beautiful. She did the best she can, but she also cannot carry everything and all of the weight in my life. And so this is a moment, especially on Mother's Day, that I want to encourage you that if you feel like there's women in your life that you could speak into, um, just ask or offer to mentor them. And if, if you are a younger woman um, that is looking for a spiritual mentor or a spiritual mother, please also feel free to ask because it is life-changing and super important. And so I want to encourage you guys to risk and to step out because you never know the kind of life that you can impact just by stepping out and, and offering your time to listen and love them. There's a verse, um, of course, as we, most of us I'm sure have, is a life verse that I found, I don't even know when it was, it's, it's been around for a long time, but it's 2 Corinthians 12, 9, um, that I've always gravitated towards. I'm actually surprised I don't have a tattooed on me, you guys. <laughs> Didn't, I think Danny talked about that last week. <laughs> Some kind of a Bible verse tattooed. It'll probably end up on me somewhere, I'm sure. Um, but at 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all of the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And it's very self-explanatory, but honestly, this verse I found, especially during the years of depression, um, and it was the one thing that I could hold on to and was like, okay, well, if I'm really this messed up and I'm really this dark and I'm really this depressed, then somehow God's power is going to be made known? I'm not sure, but I, I really held on to it. And so um, I want to encourage you that even if you are walking through this season because of the series where it just feels like impossible, that you don't really believe or think that you are going to break out of these cycles of shame, um, even this verse, even if you want to grab onto this one, I want to encourage you guys to, to just believe that God is going to make your weakness power and strong because he is in it and he is in it with you. And it's exactly where he wants us, honestly. <clears throat> So things did not change overnight. I felt like I was hiding and isolating behind myself, behind all these roles and identities that, I, that didn't really matter at the end of the day. I didn't realize it at the time, of course. I was trying so hard to be the best at all of them, to earn some sort of approval. And all God wanted, honestly, for me was to allow him to love me for who I was and not what I was doing. There was a lot of forgiveness that also had to take place in my heart. I had to forgive myself, first and foremost. I had to forgive people, and I had to forgive the church. 
for what it was that they had done to me. But the church is full of people, and people are not perfect. I love the church, and I still love the church, but there was definitely a season right before coming to Kesed that I did not. I pointed a lot of my anger, my pain, and blame towards it. And I think because I loved it too much, that is when I gave the church way too much power in my life, and it hurt me the deepest, and it was very devastating. I needed to love God most before the church because my relationship with him was what was most important. At this point, I was back in counseling, uh, working toward healing and restoration, and my counselor and I decided to take my first sabbatical about a year and a half ago. And so I stopped leading worship anywhere for three months, and I just straight up disappeared, y'all. I was like, <laughs> I was done. Um, and actually, this was a season where God showed up surprisingly, as he does, because I had texted a handful of um, churches around town that I was just going to guest lead at because I had stepped down from my role at the last church. And I texted him and said, hey, I'm going to take a break. And I, I think it was two or three days later, I was already signed up for this songwriting Zoom call thing that was happening. And my voice legit was gone. God was like, I'm going to go ahead and take that from you now. Thank you very much. Um, I had, I, I was raspy. It was air. And I, I mean, I've been, I was doing singing in church since I was about five or six. I have never lost my voice like that. And so for that entire time, that sabbatical, those three months, I could not sing anywhere. And I think God was kind of testing me, like, are you actually going to take some time away and step away from all of this stuff and heal and take some time to hang out with me and figure out what's next? So be careful. You never know. God will, God will do some crazy things. <laughs> um, and I will tell you, this was a time that I did not want to get back into full-time ministry. Um, I really was pondering what I was going to do. I loved the church. I knew I was, it was in my DNA to be a part of the church, but I was super angry and I was super bitter um, at how things were going at any church. Um, but this job presented itself and I literally fought it for months. One day I was praying and I finally flat out asked God, I was like, hey, if you want me to say yes, I need you to answer me. And he didn't say yes, but he did say that I need you to fall back in love with what the church is supposed to be. And at that moment, I knew that I was meant to eventually find myself back in church somewhere, somehow. Followed up with a few other cool God moments and my husband's support, I finally said yes and joined the team here at Kesed. At one of my counseling sessions before I finally decided to take this job, my therapist asked me a life-changing question that changed me. He asked if everything in your life was taken from you tomorrow, titles like worship leader, worship pastor, or if I lost my husband and my kids and I wasn't a mom and a wife anymore, who would I still be? Would I actually be okay with that? Would I be so trusting and so close to God that I could go on living? Now sure, at that moment, my mouth wanted to say yes, but I knew that I didn't really believe that I would actually be okay. I put way more value and worth into earthly things than I did my relationship with God. And so after that season, something in me switched. I made a vow to myself that I would work to let all the world's treasures go, even the great things, because they could all be taken from me in an instant. For me, that meant that I had to come out of hiding behind even all the beautiful gifts that God had given me, because they were all just gifts. They are not identities. I wanted to find my true inner confidence that only comes from knowing who I am in Christ, not a wife, not a mom, not a pastor, but a child of God who is deeply known and deeply loved. And with God's grace, I am doing it. 
This, my friends, is where my storytelling ends and um, where I have a few hard questions for you. Um, and I'm going to stand up for this just because, <laughs> honestly, this question um, came last week, kind of towards the end of planning for this message. Um, and this is not intended to make you feel guilty in any way, um, but I think more convicted. But uh, my first important question for you is... Um, on behalf of my 17-year-old self, where were you? I was someone at that age that needed a loving and encouraging and nurturing community of people. And instead, I got everything but that. My family got cast out. My siblings are still fighting to know the Lord because of the voices that spoke shame and judgment and condemnation over my family. I needed you at that time. And all that you guys offered me, honestly, was shame and guilt. So I'm asking you, or I'm frankly calling the church up and out to stop judging people. It is not our job at all. doesn't matter. We do not have the authority to throw the first stone at anyone. I want us to be a community of people that are speaking life over people, speaking life over ourselves and not death. Because honestly, what we're doing is making it harder for all of us to hear the voice of God instead we hear the voices of everybody else. So let's do better and let's speak life over each other and not death. Because just like the Bible verse Proverbs 18:21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruits. I don't think that God was messing around when he put this verse in the Bible um, because honestly, God spoke. He spoke and we, we became. The earth became. Humankind started. So I just want to say, again, our tongues are very powerful weapons. So let's use them to speak life. Simply put, let's love ourselves and each other well, the way that Jesus loved others and continues to show us love. I want each of you guys today to walk away here with um, believing that there is hope for you and freedom for you as well. I want you to believe that you can bring all the ugly, painful, dark stuff into the light for God to take care of and shine his light on. I want to encourage you to come out from all the masks, the titles, the identities that you have been hiding behind because God sees and loves the person behind all of them. Trust him as you begin to step out into a place of being fully known. It is crazy scary, I know. I know. Trust his voice speaking to you and trust the process to break out of the shame cycle that the enemy has been holding you in. The second question um, that we, I want to ask you guys today is for all of you who are supposed to be spiritual mothers and fathers, who is it that you can be praying for and speaking life over? I want you to really think about that. Who is it in your life that could, could use you? Who can you be creating a safe space for? And who can you help uproot and pull the seeds of shame out of. Uh, at this moment, I'm going to invite my friends Paul and Sean up. Give them a round of applause.
They're gonna come up. They're amazing. They're part of my team. I love them. Um, because we are gonna actually sing a song um, over you. This is a song called Out of Hiding, and it's actually called the Father Song. Um, and this was a song, I'm, I am not kidding when I say I listened to this song probably for four or five months straight. That was the only song I played in the car over and over and over and over again um, while I was trying to hear the voice of God about how he saw me, what he said about me, and how much he loved me. And so um, we are going to sing this. It's kind of like a listening prayer song. So the lyrics are going to be up on the screen for you guys to follow along, but um, I don't want you to sing it. I want you to read the lyrics. I want you to let this song and the lyrics speak to your heart for you to actually put yourselves in a posture of receiving from God and how he loves and sees you. The other thing is we've got these little cards um, that were on your chair that I want you guys to pull out if you have them. Um, there's also a pen. Hopefully you've got your pen nearby. But I want you guys to take the card and fold it in half like this. Yes. Hamburger style, I think, is the right term, right? <laughs> Not hot dog. Hamburger. Um, and before we sing the song, there were two questions um, in my life around the time that these, these mothers that were in my life were um, walking me through some stuff that I learned about. And there are these two questions that we're going to write down. I want you guys to write down one on this side, one on the other. Um, they're going to be up here. And the first one is, what are the lies that I'm believing about myself? And this is a prayer. So these are questions that I want you to ask God. And the other question on the other side, on the right, is going to be, what are the truths that you say about me? So I'll give you a second to do that. Now we've got a couple of options um, as we are singing this song over you that I want to give you guys as in response to this morning. Uh, the first one is that we're going to be singing this song and I want you guys to be praying and listening to what God says about you. And so if you want right now in this space this morning to ask these questions to pray and ask him, what are the lies I'm believing and what are the truths that you say about me? And it, what you hear right away, I want you guys to write down immediately. Just list them. The lies on one side, truth on the other. If you don't want to do that right now and you want to just let the song and the lyrics wash over you, please feel free to do that. Bring this home. But the biggest thing I want you guys to take away with is please do this. It is, it's super simple, but it's really powerful. Is take it home. If you do it today, I want you to ask God what to do with the lies portion. So I want you to rip it off. Take it home, do it on a separate piece of paper, however you want. But I want you to take those lies and I want you to ask him specifically what he wants you to do with them. Because I've heard all kinds of crazy stories. I've heard the burning, the cutting, throw it in water, crumple it up. Somebody actually prayed once. This is really wild. And they, um, they felt like God was uh, telling them that, that, well, they showed him a picture. They said, God, what do you want me to do with these lies? And he actually, in, in their mind, took it, crumpled it up, and ate it. And that person was actually dealing with a, an eating disorder at that point. And so God is really creative. He speaks just to you. So I really want you to take that and ask him how it is that you're supposed to dispose of this. Because the, the truth portion I want you to take and put on your mirror, put it in your car, put it in your Bible. Put it somewhere that you're going to see every single day to remind you of how God sees you and not how the enemy sees you. So we're going to sing this song. Please feel free to do what you need to do in this moment. But I really want to ask that you engage. Just sit in it. 
sit in it with us, okay? safe here with me there's no need to cover what I already see cause you've got your reasons but I hold your peace and you've been Don't <laughs> 
you, Jesus. I want to ask us all to stand in this moment. led to say thank you. Thank you for choosing to be here. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you for stepping out and risking coming to church if you didn't want to, if you were scared to. Thank you for being willing to risk. And I hope that in this moment during this song, some of you were able to hear the Father's voice over you to hear the truth that he says about you. And so I wanna pray over all of us as we get ready to just head out and enjoy the day. Father God, thank you for this space. God, it's an honor to be in a building where we get to come to learn, to be challenged, to be loved, to be encouraged. Father, I pray that you would bless this place, that you would bless this church, this community, and the families in it. Father, I pray that we would do better, that we would do better as a collective community that represents you, your bride. And God, lastly, I just want to cover the people here today that heard from you. We want to praise you for that, God. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for calling us out. God, would you just go and be with every heart and every mind today, that you would cover them with your protection and your love and your spirit. We love you. We are so excited. We know that you are moving in this place. That you are breaking off lies of shame, God. We're leaving them behind. And we're moving forward in who it is that you've called us to be. Father, we love you. We honor you. Thank you again for this time. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Amen, you guys. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day again. Enjoy this amazing weather. And we have got some amazing little chocolates at the door, some little treats for you guys to take with you. Have an awesome day. We love you, and we'll see you guys next week.